Hi, and welcome to the Talking Food Allergy Podcast from Allergic Living. I'm your host, Jen Jobrak. With the COVID-19 pandemic, these are anxious times, and there's especially a lot of concern in the food allergy community. There are worries about food product shortages and what to do if a child has anaphylaxis while at home. But let's all take a breath, and to help us do that and to feel in control, I'm joined for this episode by clinical counselor Tamara Hubbard. Tamara is well known for helping food allergy families work through anxiety. Please join us as I get her advice on how to challenge fearful thoughts in these times, how to talk to your kids, how to feel in control. Tamara, thank you so much for joining me in a socially distanced fashion, I might add. There's clearly a lot of anxiety in the air. It feels so important for us to talk about ways our food allergy families can bring down the stress levels for themselves and for their kids. Before we start, can you tell listeners briefly about your work with families living with food allergies? Sure. So um, by trade, I am a licensed clinical professional counselor. I have been so for about 15 years. Um, Because I'm a parent of a child managing a food allergy, I decided to make that a subspecialty of my, my personal private practice. And on top of that, I created the Food Allergy Counselor Directory and website that offers a link to other counselors and resources. Obviously, the watchword of the day is anxiety. People are very concerned about their own health and the health of uh, their family and neighbors and loved ones. Um, What's your sense of how the food allergy family may be uh, experiencing not only the general anxiety that the nation is experiencing, but perhaps any special concerns that our community has? Sure. So... I think on top of, as you said, the general anxiety that almost everybody across the world is feeling right now, which by the way, I should note is very uh, a normal response to what's going on. Uncertainty, unknown length of duration, threats, feeling unprepared, and this fact that this is so unprecedented is of course going to bring up anxiety. But for food allergy families, I think what's uh, significant is that it might feel as an additional threat when we feel like we're not going to have access to the things that keep us safe. And that may or may not be actually true. Um, I think one thing to remember is that while some of us are going into shelter in place, some of us have had uh, allergy practices that have let us know that they've reduced hours. Um, We know that our emergency rooms and hospitals are being uh, preoccupied with COVID cases. It's not necessarily true that we are not going to have access to the things that keep us safe, like safe foods and medical services. Um, So that might be a huge assumption that we might need to challenge uh, within food allergy families. How would you suggest we verify what resources are available to us? Absolutely. So, you know, I would encourage families to sit down and really break down their fears piece by piece. What are the things that are triggering these fears right now and increasing your anxiety up a few notches? Um, If one of them might be, I'm not going to have access to my allergist because he or she will be busy with the care of others or dealing with COVID cases. Um, If the question might be, what do I do in the case of an anaphylactic reaction? I would encourage reaching out to your allergist, your board certified allergist yourself, 
and asking these questions because that's the person that's going to guide you on how to use your care plan and what may or may not be different right now. Um, as far as things like finding access to foods that are safe, use your community. Click, you know, click back into that community sense. Right now, we need each other more than ever. And so finding community members locally or more broad in the sense of online and figuring out where they're finding safe foods and if you guys can go in on orders together might be a good idea. I think uh, a lot of allergist offices are including communication to their practices yeah. in, their in their own emergency planning. So they're not going to be surprised to get calls from you. No. And many of them are converting to telemedicine. And if you think about if your child has experienced anaphylaxis, uh, you follow the plan uh, right. that's in the emergency plan. But um, in, in, in most cases, you're not personally visiting your allergist during anaphylaxis. You're having a phone call. After 911 has been called, after, after epi, epi has been administered, after, after 911 has been called. So that, that's actually the same relationship that you have now. Um, yeah. What may be different is the in-person visits. Uh, but then again, uh, doctors are making uh, lots of provisions for that right now. Well, and I would, I would also, um, again, to challenge that fearful thought that we are going to have less access to medical necessities <laughs> or medical care should we, you know, have a reaction or need guidance, um, challenge that with the thought that all we keep hearing if we do check in on the news or we do talk to our allergists is that um, medical facilities are taking extra precaution to keep people safe and keep the COVID cases separate from those that are coming in for other things. And so I think it's important to keep in mind that while this is an unprecedented situation that we've never dealt with really before in our lifetime, the medical community is trained on how to handle these kinds of situations and what they can best do to keep others safe that are not there for COVID. So I think that's important to challenge our worry thoughts with that kind of factual information as well. Also, we have gotten no indication that food supplies are in jeopardy, uh, vigilant about maybe doing some more scratch cooking so that you don't have to rely on unfamiliar ingredients. And I think that's going to be one of the self-care tips that I would offer is that um, given the nature of what we're dealing with right now and the uncertainty and, and to your point, the fact that you know, everyone from food manufacturers, suppliers, the medical community, the mental health community, we are all doing our part to help bridge the gap where it's needed, uh, whatever that might look like in our own spaces. Um, but this is gonna be an opportunity for everyone, food allergy families, kids with food allergies, people without food allergies to learn a lot about themselves and maybe tap into some skills that they didn't know they had, such as the Martha Stewart skills and cooking, and maybe you don't enjoy that, but you know, you might find that you're actually good at it. And to your point, if it's something that is going to bridge the gap, if you don't have access to a particular food that's safe and you can make that at home, that actually might be a fun project to do with your family that keeps you unplugged from the stress and um, keeps you in the here and now so that you can actually find some joy out of something such as that. How, how do we kind of manage our own anxiety as we try to convey calm to smaller members of our households. Sure. So, of course, you just uh, mentioned one of the most key points about all this is managing our own anxiety. But before I touch on that, I think I want to make sure that 
the, that we understand that the goal for parents or caregivers is not to take all of your children's anxiety away. The reality is that this is an anxiety provoking type of situation and that is absolutely normal. Um, however, we should be focused on things such as helping them learn how to tolerate uncertainty without a ton of overreaction. Um, <clears throat> and to do that, we might focus on the facts more rather than the sensational headlines. Um, we might do activities that keep us in the here and now rather than, you know, just stuck in our head with our thoughts. We're not going to try to predict the future outcomes because the reality is, is we don't want to make promises to them that we don't know. There's not enough information right now to know how long this is going to last. And so therefore we shouldn't be providing them with information about that because we don't know. And that's okay not to have all the answers. Um, we're going to explore with them things that are unsafe and uncertain, but that we're also going to connect the idea that they have actually navigated times that seem unsafe and uncertain before. So they actually have the skills to do this. And so do we as parents. And then of course, we're gonna focus on confidence building and skills to navigate through it, um, encouraging self-compassion and patience. Um, you know, the one thing I will encourage caregivers to remember, uh, uh, those of us that are managing families with food allergies, is that if you can tap back to a time when you were, the, the diagnosis was first made, either for yourself or your child, you likely had some similar feelings that you're feeling right now, overwhelmed, anxious, grief, sadness, uncertainty that you can actually get through this. Um, but look at yourself now with some distance and some skills that you've built and some knowledge that you've, you've filled the gaps in with. Look at how well you're doing now and how well your kids have adjusted. And so that's the same here. We're going to get through this. We're going to learn the skills we need to navigate this. It is going to feel unsafe and uncertain, but that's what we have to help our kids understand is that just because we feel those feelings doesn't mean it is unsafe and that our anxiety is um, a problem. I think that is outstanding advice. And I would also offer that kids can manifest anxiety in lots of different ways. Yeah. It might not just be someone sitting on the sofa crying. Yeah. Right now, what parents need to do the most is just be there to listen. Not all kids are going to want to talk about this right now. That's they're right. going to develop the, their own timeline of when they're ready to talk about this. Because again, this is really new and it actually might be a little exciting, this whole e-learning from home and um, you know, doing something different. But as this continues on, uh, there might be some additional feelings coming up. So just be there to listen when they're ready. Um, like you said, reassure them that you're all in this together and that you are their parent and your goal is to keep them safe and that you'll do everything you can to do so. Um, it's okay and you should be honest, but I would meet them with from where they're at and I would ask questions and just give the facts that they need. Um, and I would also try to encourage, especially for teens and preteens, focusing more on this idea of um, rather than what we're doing right now, but what this is doing for the community, how this is helping the greater sense of good. Um, you're going to want to tap into their um, ideas of what else they can do to be helpful right now. You can even help kids understand how they're actually part of a history-making event. And so things like making a family time capsule or making a video journal, taking pictures of experiences they've had at the stores with the shelves being empty. So rather than focusing on the fear about it, make this something that is going to be part of your family legacy and history and that gives them something to do. Or like you said, as of course, I always recommend getting out, doing something physical 
to get that nervous energy out. And also it's just good to get fresh air. I, I think those are fantastic ideas. Let's talk a couple more questions. Teenagers are always uh, a hard audience to uh, instill compliance. Uh, maybe in some respects, food allergy management is easier when they're not hanging out with their friends. Uh, on the other yeah. hand, uh, there's a lot of stress. Maybe people aren't being as vigilant about label reading, that sort of thing. Um, any specific advice to the teen or to the parent of the teen? You know, I think my main advice would be um, just a reminder that, again, they're teens. Um, they're not necessarily going to, just because this is a major event, change the way that they approach life. Um, they're, they might be still thinking about the loss of being able to be out and do things and focus on that. Um, but my advice for the parents would be to just meet your teen where they're at. Um, you might experience additional uh, fighting of the rules and the guidelines because now on top of maybe pushing back on some of the food allergy rules you're going to be getting pushed back on well how come i can't hang out with my friends when some of the parents are allowing them to hang out with friends at their house um so just be patient um be firm with your rules but be willing to listen and validate their feelings because again that could be coming from a place of anxiety and sadness and grief um, I think it's important to ask for their buy-in. Their buy what is it that you need to help this be something you can comply with? Um, and if they have ideas, listen to those ideas and put those into play and see if there's somewhere that you can compromise a little bit to give them a little bit more power over the situation because they're feeling pretty unempowered at the, at the moment. We all are. Um, so where can you allow them to have more say on how things are going to go while still sticking to the safety parameters? And I would be remiss if I didn't add to those parents who are letting their, their kids hang out with friends, please stop. <laughs> I have had to be the bad parent, the bad mom recently myself. And I, uh, we I just, think it is it's no hard to allow those play dates and sleepovers and hangouts to continue. It is hard. And we choose to then change the focus of the conversation, like I said earlier, to the reason why we're doing it the greater good, how we feel it's important to do our part to help everything that kind of get back to normal and people stay safe. So that's what we try right. to focus on. Okay, very good. Families around the country that are uh, putting children through oral immunotherapy. Yeah. And we started this conversation talking about concern about the scarcity of medical care. Um, people sometimes do have anaphylactic reactions when they're in OIT. Uh, and or they're worried about their regimen not being able to updose or maintain if their allergist is suddenly only doing telemedicine. Um, certainly, food challenges and other diagnostic testing may be delayed. Any thoughts about how families can wrap their head around that? Sure. Um, I think that the first step is to just accept the fact that things are going to be different. Um, I, I think that's easier said than done, but I think that different doesn't necessarily mean worse. It's just going to look different than we're normally accustomed to in these procedures and processes. Um, I would revert back to what I was saying earlier about how important it is to list all of your questions or questions your child might have about how things might change, 
if expectations are going to be different, what to do in the event of an anaphylactic reaction, um, what to do in the event of you're uncertain about something, uh, and ask your board certified allergist these questions because they're going to give you the best guidance specific to yourself on how you should navigate any potential changes that might be occurring. Um, on top of that, I would also encourage people to not let the anxiety and, and fear feel the anxiety and fear that we're having right now again goes back to this this feeling that we're going to be unsafe if we have medical needs and remembering that um, your allergist's guidance is going to give you the best way through that and remind yourself again that medical facilities are still going to be able to help those of us that might need it and tele telemedicine appointments may seem hard but actually the only thing is that you're not physically there your doctor can give you guidance virtually mm -hmm. and remind yourself, you know your plan, you know your action plan, you have your tools at home, you know how to handle these situations. Any final thoughts about um, either the anxiety in general or um, coping strategies being indoors? Those of us who live in northern climates have not had great weather, so <laughs> do want our, we do want to take the daily walk, but some days that's harder than others. Um, I know in parts of the South, they're experiencing great heat, so that is also <laughs> uncomfortable. Um, plus, you've also got seasonal allergies, which is a challenge for many members of our community. So just uh, any final thoughts about sort of how to keep your, your well-being, your sanity, <laughs> uh, and... Uh, things to remember as we move through the next few weeks? Sure. So a couple of things that I would highlight for self-care purposes. Um, change expectations for yourself and your children. That doesn't mean don't have rules and guidelines and routines. Do create new routines in these new situations that will work for yourself and your family, but also understand that expectations may need to change as well of yourself and of others. Um, although we have social distancing happening, I think it's important to separate that term and say we should have physical distancing, but we need to have emotional and social connection and be creative with that. So make sure that you're still connecting with friends and peers. Um, that way you don't isolate. We want to make sure we don't isolate because that can, that can cause anxiety to increase as well. And I would encourage you to limit your time, um, you know, listening to COVID news, talking about COVID, reading COVID articles, um, over analyzing and over preparing for things is actually not helpful for anxiety. It can actually increase anxiety. So be good about limitations for yourself and your family members. And then lastly, I would encourage people to just monitor their own anxiety levels. Um, know when you need to step back and do something that's going to get you in the here and now and bring down that anxiety level. It could be deep breathing. It could be holding ice cubes in your hand for the awareness factor of, oh, I feel that ice cube. I'm not going to be thinking about things. Um, and lastly, I would encourage people to ask themselves, what do I need right now? Not what do I want right now? and focus more on what they need to be self-caring in that moment, to be there for their family members, to keep themselves safe, and let go of what might be different than what we've expected in this situation. Hard to do, but definitely something you can do. And I would certainly encourage people not to shy away from tending to their mental health with skilled professionals. 100%, and, and to note on that, that the
the mental health community are trying their hardest to lobby for um, insurances to cover telemedicine visits, but everything is very fluid right now and changing by the day. So um, we're doing our best to continue our practices in a safe manner to offer the services and support for, like you said, existing clients and clients that might need support now more than ever. Tamara, I can't thank you enough. This has been a tremendous conversation with great and very specific resources. And uh, just want to thank you for making time on what I'm sure is a very busy uh, day for you. No, I'm, I'm honored to be here to, to offer some thoughts and just to remind everyone that we can do this. We will get through this. This has been the Talking Food Allergy podcast from Allergic Living. My guest was Tamara Hubbard, a licensed clinical professional counselor in the Chicago area. Visit her website at foodallergycounselor.com. Also, be sure to visit allergicliving.com and the new This Allergic Life microsite. I'm your host, Jen Jobrak, a national food allergy consultant. Find me at foodallergypros.com. Thank you so much for joining us.